Talking hoops with who? Talking hoops with who? Talking hoops with who? Talking hoops with who? It's your coach. Talking hoops with who? Talking hoops with who? Talking hoops with who? It's your coach. You already know what it is. It's your coach that knows who's the most. And we back for another episode. This episode three is hoop season, baby. You already know what it is, man. It's your coach that knows who's the most. Before we do anything, man, I got to let you know I came down a little bit of a cold. You know, I got kids, so they sneeze in your face. They cough, they, you know, they, they daddy, they all over you. Yeah, they got the, the, the snot all on the shirt and all that. So got a little bit of a cold, but it ain't going to stop me from giving y'all a great episode this week. So this this week we're gonna talk about some college basketball. I'll recap some things that happened last week uh, on our episode about a week and a half ago. But you already know what it is. Uh, got a lot to talk about college basketball wise because we're just just popping off at the college basketball season. Uh, got some early season appetizers that we're gonna talk about. Um, also got some high school hoops, man. This is the first day for boys basketball practice here in Michigan. Girls basketball started last week, so we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna recap my uh, my camp. That happened uh, this past weekend, this past Saturday, man. It went down. Went down. It was really good. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then I got some NBA quick hitters. And, of course, I got the, the NBA, the $5 Flame fan duel for you. You know what I'm saying? But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. And just want to recap some things you heard in episode two. Hey, man, I told y'all about the Lakers, man. I told y'all about the Lakers. The Lakers are going to struggle, man, unless somebody goes down, LeBron goes down. So now it's all on AD and Russ. And you see they struggling. They might win a game here in overtime. They lose a game by 25. It's this going to be up and down. As long as LeBron is out and they just got AD and Russ, they're going to struggle a little bit. They're going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. But I told y'all about the Lakers, man. The Bulls. We talked about the Chicago Bulls, and they're they got a tough schedule coming up. They're sitting at like nine and four. So we said their next ten games, they played seven of those ten games, and they went four and three. So they're still in the mix at nine and five, at the top of their division. But in the next three or four games, you're gonna really find out what they about. I mean, they went to the Warriors, and the Warriors smacked them boys by like twenty. They had Zach Levine looking like he was a scrub. I mean, Steph Curry put thirty on him in three quarters. He had made him look. They made him look silly. They made Levine look silly. So we're going to find out a little bit more about the Bulls. You know what I'm saying? That was a team that we talked about in episode two. And uh, Miles Bridges turned down some money, y'all. So we talk about uh, Michael Jordan backing up the Brinks truck. He thought $60 million was enough. <laughs> Miles said, nah, nah, dog. Yo, I'm going to need some more of that paint. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of Mike's easy way of saying, I can't really get you to max right now. But if you keep playing like this throughout the year, we're going to have to max you out on a rookie extension. So they tried to offer him $60 million at four years. Turn that down. Uh, it's kind of crazy to turn out 15 million a year and you only make it five. That's triple your money. But hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm not the guy putting the ball in the hole and then put the work in over the summer. And he did that. So he's he's able to turn down a $60 million contract. I cannot. So that's a couple things we talked about in episode two. Just wanted to recap that right quickly. But it's your coach. And I'm going to talk about some college hoops. And the first thing that popped off on the college basketball scene we had the Veterans Classic. So, of course, you know, you talk about Coach K. That's the last time he's going to play in this Classic. And you got Duke playing Kentucky. You got Michigan State playing Kansas. And just a couple of things from the two games that I saw uh, that I watched uh, to, to, to pop off the college basketball season, man. I'm going to say like this, Kansas is good. 
Normally, normally when I talk about Kansas and Bill Self, I'm not a huge Kansas fan. Even when they won the national championship and they beat Memphis on that lucky shot that Mario Chalmers hit, and I was at the game and I saw it go in, I just never been a big Kansas fan because they always drop a dud. They always drop a dud. But this team that they got this year is good. They got really good guards. They got really good inside play. And Michigan State just let them get down. You let them guards get downhill, you're going to be in trouble all night. And that's what happened to Michigan State. They couldn't guard the ball screens. They couldn't guard the dribble handoff. And them guards is going downhill all night long. And when you got that, and then you got your your big and drop coverage, and he don't know to get the big or stop the ball, it's trouble. And uh, they made him pay. They made him pay. When it comes to Kentucky and Duke, it was a it was a blue blood battle. They was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But this ain't the Kentucky of old. Okay, this is a good Kentucky team. This is a good SEC Kentucky team. This ain't a national championship type Kentucky team. And we're going to talk about why a little bit later, you know. So so stick, stay tuned to talk about why it ain't your normal national championship type Kentucky team. Good team, but not like that. This Duke team is built like that, though. It's a reason why Coach K was like, ah, I'm going to wait a year for retirement. I'm going to wait a year. I'm not going to let my my assistant, John Shire, get this one. I ain't going to let you just, just stumble into a national championship. I might, I might need to add another one to the record because Apollo Banchero, holy buddy. If he ain't a top five pick, name me four guys better. I'm going to tell you right now, he's 6'9", he athletic like Amari Stoudemire. He puts the ball on the deck like a big ain't supposed to do. Uh, he can make the 15, 16, 17 footer. I mean, he's he's trouble, man. Already averaged 18, 19 and 6 as a freshman. I mean, he's troubling. He's troubling. He's the type of player you win a national championship with. And I'm pretty sure when uh, Coach K got him to sign, he was like, ah, might want to postpone this national championship run that we about to take. Let me let me take one more stab at it. And when he saw him, it was like, ooh, I might be able to win with him. Uh, let's take a little stab at it. And they're and they're they're legit. They're a legit group. Uh Trevor Kills is a really good guard for Duke. Uh Duke's a good team, man. Kentucky is good, but they ain't Duke level. I mean, Duke and Kansas established themselves in this classic as hey, we're we're both top five teams, and this is why. Couple other things. Uh want to talk about some college basketball early season starters. We had some D1 upsets. You had a Michigan team go down to Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, get paid to play the game, and they beat them. Now, Oklahoma State, they got some sanctions and something going on with Mike Boynton, and I don't know what's going on with that program. But ain't no way you're supposed to let Oakland come down and beat you on your home floor. Now, granted, Oakland last year came down to Rashad Williams went crazy, and they only beat them by like five or six points, and they had Kate Cunningham at the time. So that was last year. So fast forward a year, which was a couple days ago, Oakland went down, to, they didn't smack them, but they beat them. He beat him 56-55, and I've said it on this podcast before, and just to people in general. You play the game in the 50s, anybody can beat you. Newsflash, NBA, college, overseas, high school, JV basketball. If you score 50 points, you can get beat. You can get beat. That's, not even, that's 13 points a quarter, right? That's not, you don't have to be very good to score 13 points in a quarter of basketball. So if you score in the 50s and you lose, you can't be mad. You can't be mad. Other team beats you. Can't be mad at all. And that's exactly what Oakland did. They went down and they beat Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State. And that's a six-figure tag they got. They didn't get paid, you know, 20, 30, 40,000. They got it, probably got 80, 90,000 to come down there and play. And they came out of there with the dub. So congrats to the Grizzlies for getting that done. Jamal Kane had 14 and 12 in the game. So here's where 
Division One transfers. This is why coaches like Division One transfers. You could get a guy like Jamal Kane that was at Marquette, had a decent career at Marquette, maybe six, seven, eight points a game, and then now he comes to Oakland, comes back home, and has an immediate impact on your program. Immediate. He probably should have been at Oakland to begin with. His AAU coach is Mike Covington. Mike Covington is the assistant there. How do you get the Marquette? We well, got the Marquette because Campy didn't hire Covington soon enough. If he hires if he hires Covington sooner than he did, he gets Jamal Kane, he gets Greg Elliott that's already out there, and ain't no telling who else he gets. He probably gets uh, somebody that's that's pretty good that play for him as well. But here's what I'm saying: that's why recruiting matters. That's why you you got head coach, assistant coaches that matter. Jamal Kane came back to Oakland because he played for Mike. He didn't come back to Detroit. He didn't come back to Central or Eastern. He came back to Oakland. You know what I'm saying? Because he's a Pontiac kid. He came home and said, you know what? We're going to go down to Oklahoma State, and I'm going to get a double-double, and we're going we to get this win. But that's what, that's that's why coaches like the D1 transfers. They do, because they could come in. The, a particular one or two could come in and change the complexion of your program, and that's what Jamal Kane is doing at Oakland. So, shots out to them boys right there. So, that's just one upset, right? Oh, on a side note, I know, this, I, know I talk about Michigan players a lot. That boy Jalen Moore, the, the, the point guard at Oakland, I know he ain't from Michigan, but he's a really good point guard. He's a really good point guard. So if you're a point guard in Michigan and you think you're getting an Oakland offer, just know you're sitting for two or three years. You're going to sit behind Jalen Moore. Okay, so that's why you don't have an Oakland offer. So I, I talked about Oakland when what's-his-face from Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Kareem Rozier. He gets a Duquesne offer, and I'm like, man – Oakland should offer this kid. And you look at Jalen Moore and it's like, they don't need a point guard. They don't need a point guard for a couple years. So if you're in the class of 22, 23, and you're a point guard and you're in Michigan, you ain't getting no Oakland offer. I'm telling you right now, they are set. <laughs> they are set at point guard. And they got Brody Parker going up there too. They are set at point guard. They ain't looking at no more point guards. So that's just a little side note. Uh, another upset, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois goes out west to play Washington who just got a commitment from Keon Minifield. So apparently they need players from Michigan because a Michigan boy went out there from Northern Illinois. He don't play for Michigan team, plays for Northern Illinois. They went out and they beat Washington at Washington. Trendon Hankerson, Trendon Hankerson scores 28 points, grabs seven rebounds, and gets the upset at Washington. Those are, those are career games for these kind of guys. Career game. So when it's time for you to put your resume together, for you to go overseas or to try to get drafted, and you can say, hey, man, I scored 28 at a Pac-12 school on the road as an underdog, as a 20-plus point underdog, and still got it done. You don't think I don't deserve a contract? Well, you better think twice about that. So uh, shouts out to Trenton Hankerson. Uh, uh, his dad, I went to school with his dad, so of course I had to. You know, recruit his sons. I liked both his sons. I thought both of them can play at the Division One level. I was a Division Two coach at the time. And it proves. It proves because they both are doing well. And shout out to Trenton for getting the upset at Washington. We had an exhibition upset. So exhibition games are kind of like scrimmage. Not they like they like scrimmages with a crowd. So a D1 school will play a D2 just to get ready for the rigor of their schedule, to get ready for their conference, just to get ready to play a regular game. So they play against D2 schools because you think, if I'm a D1, I play a D2, we should beat them. Unless you're Michigan Tech, unless you're Ball State. Ball State tried to get Michigan Tech to play an exhibition game. They did it, but guess what Michigan Tech said? Ah, ah, we're going to beat you. And that's exactly what they did. Michigan Tech beats Ball State 70-69. to 
at Ball State. I'm not, in the exhibition games, you get paid to play, but you don't get paid to play that much. So you probably get 25, 30, 40K, depending on if the team thinks you can beat them or not. Now, Ball State, I don't know if they thought that they could lose to Michigan Tech, but they very so can because it's a lot of GLIAC schools that can play and can compete in the MAC. And Michigan Tech is one of them. And their leading scorer was Trent Bell. Trent Bell goes in there, hangs 17 on them, hits five threes. I want you to guess where Michigan Bell, Trent Bell is from. You guessed it. He from Michigan. Uh, Nagani, Nagani, Michigan is up north, I believe. Uh, he's a senior. And some of these seniors, they got a chip on their shoulder. They play the D1 schools. And you ain't played it. You want to get a D1 win. And that's exactly what Michigan Tech does. They go into uh, Ball State, which is not a great MAC team. It's, it's They're solid, but you shouldn't be losing to no D2s. But, hey, you better put some respect on our name, man. You better put some respect on the D2. Don't just be calling the D2s up for these exhibition games. Like, you can't get beat because you can. You picked the wrong school. And Ball State definitely picked the wrong school. So, shouts out to these teams. Uh, for going in and getting these upsets and getting it done. But it's your coach. Dada knows who's the most, man. You, we going to get some college basketball appetizers. This could be a new segment I call. This is, my, this is the, the Flame Knicks appetizer uh, edition. And we talk about college basketball. Just some appetizers. You know what I'm saying? It's not the full course meal. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the breadsticks. It's the, you know, the little, little, the, the lots of chips and salsa. It's that portion of the pie where I'm just going to give you a couple things. And we're dealing with college basketball. And I'm just going to keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? It's really quick. First quick little appetizer I'm going to talk about is Wendell Green is fitting really well at Auburn. He's fitting really well. So if you had any, um, if you had any issue with Wendell Green playing in AC, I mean playing at SEC, if you had any issue with Wendell Green playing at the high major level, uh, I thought Wendell Green was a high major player a long time ago. Uh, I've been back and forth with that statement after seeing him play against some high major players. But guess what? You can't tell Wendell Green right now. You can't tell him he ain't high major. He had a high major school. He's starting playing twenty five minutes plus. So. It'd be different if he went to Auburn and he wasn't playing. It would be like, ah, something must be in the water. But no, no, no. No, 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 no. He doing something different now. He hitting threes from the logo. He playing the game the way he been playing it. It's just from the stage where everybody can see it. But in today's game, a guy that can shoot the ball at a very high level, it's hard to guard them kind of guys, even if you're small. I know league guys don't like small guards, but the small guards they do like are guys that can hit it from the logo. The Trey Youngs, the Steph Currys, the Damian Lillards, them guys got supreme range and they can shoot with the best of them. So if you can hit threes from the logo, yeah, it's going to be a team that wants to play for you. Yep. I'm sorry. It's going to be a spot for you. Wendell Green, there is a spot at Auburn for him. He's had 19 and 5 his first game, had 15 and 7 his second game. And I think those numbers are going to continue. And if they do, he's going to be all SEC. <laughs> and if you had thought he would have been all SEC playing for the Michigan Playmakers and then going to Lila Muir, you're fooling yourself, okay? There's a lot of people that that didn't think that he could do what he could do. I always knew he was a high-level player, and I knew he would prove people wrong, and Wendell Green is doing just that. Michigan State is not on Kansas level. That's what we saw. We saw that Michigan State is not on Kansas level, which means they're not on the top five, top ten team in the country level right now. Not to say that they cannot be there, but they're not there right now, and Kansas told you that. Kansas told you, like, look, we're ranked number three, four, five for a reason. Right? Michigan State is not ranked. There's a reason for both of those because we just don't know enough about Michigan State. Here's what I'll say about Michigan State right now. Hoggard has gotten a lot better. He's a lot better than last year. He's a sophomore guard. Still struggles defensively some because you see in them ball screen actions, he struggled. Okay? They need more from Gabe Brown. 
They need more. Now, Gabe Brown is having good numbers. 13, 15, 17. I mean, I need high-level Gabe Brown. I need four, five threes. I need two dunks. I need seven, eight re I'm talking about I need NBA-level-ready Gabe Brown. I want to see what the NBA scouts see because he on a draft board. He on a draft board. But I look at the stats. I had 14 and 5. He had 17 and 6. And in my mind, I'm like, I know there hasn't been a player to average 20 for Izzo. I get that. But I need more. I need you to dominate. Right now, he's playing well. He ain't dominating. And for them to be at a high level, he's got to dominate. And Michigan State, you got to play faster, man. The stats don't lie. You score 80, you win. Last year, they scored 80. They did not lose any game they scored 80 points in. Not a single one. Not a single one they scored 80. The, the games that they didn't win, they didn't score 70. So that tells me you got to score. So you got to play faster. You got to get out in them lanes. You got to get that rebound out fast and quick. All right? Maybe they just can't score in the early transition or they're afraid to give the other team more possessions, which is what happens when you play faster. But they got to average 80 points a game. If they're going uh, to be successful, they're going to have to average 80 points. They got to score 80 or 90 points. They got to. Not 80 or 90. They got to score 80. They got to score 80. Right? And I told you we're going to talk about Kentucky. The reason why this Kentucky team isn't like um, – the Kentucky teams of the past, they've got some people back. Um, but to be quite honest with you, the reason why Kentucky ain't Kentucky is their team is in the G League. Their team is playing for overtime elite. So you got two entities that's taking top-level players away from one team. Because they wasn't all going to Duke. A couple of them were, but Duke's still getting top guys. They still able to figure it out. Kentucky and Calipari, they've hurt the most. Just think about this. Think about if Jalen Green, if Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, and Kate Cunningham were on the same team. We talked about that before. Didn't happen. You can still get to the league. You can still be top five, and you don't have to go to Kentucky. And that's what's really hurting Coach Cal right now is the fact that you could go anywhere and still be a top draft pick. You could be Evan Mobley, and you could play for USC, and you could get them to the tournament, and you could be a top five pick. You don't have to go to Kentucky to be a top five pick. That's what's hurting Coach Cal, and the G League is killing him. The G League is killing him. Could you imagine what Jalen Hardy would do, Jaden Hardy would do at Kentucky instead of in the G League? Oh, my God, he would go crazy. He would go crazy, but he ain't getting that guy no more. So he's going to have to figure it out where, okay, now i got to coach these guys up. I might have to develop some younger players to stay here for a couple years because even if we lose a really good player and we bring another one in and ain't a top one commit, it's the, the three, four, five guy. Like Calipari used to getting Monty Bates. Monty Bates didn't go to Kentucky. He went to Memphis. So I think the Kentucky train of guys just automatically going Kentucky, I think that, that them days is done. It don't matter where you go now. You could go to Oklahoma State and lose to Oakland and still be a top draft pick. Now, they lose Kay Cunningham, but listen to that. Kay Cunningham went number one. He didn't average 20 points a game, and he didn't go to Kentucky. So that's what's hurting Kentucky in this era of basketball and Coach Cal, and I don't think they win another national championship. I don't think Kentucky win another national championship for another three, four, or five years until they figure it out. I think he might figure it out. Matter of fact, it's not going to be him. It's going to be somebody else. 
in the next one or two years, Coach Cal could either move to the NBA or just retire and say, you know what, I done made enough money coaching basketball. I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to watch y'all do it because it's too stressful. I ain't got to do this. I can do something else. So it's your coach. That knows soups the most. I want to give y'all some quick appetizers about college basketball. And now I want to move into some 9D1. So on this platform, uh, I like to talk about college basketball, but not just at Division One level. I like to talk NAIA. I like to talk about the WAC. I like to talk about the GLIAC. If you're not from Michigan, those are other nine Division One conferences in our state. The WAC is the Wolverine Hoosier Association Conference or Athletic Conference, right? The MIAA, the Michigan Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, the MIAC, Athletic uh, American Conference, whatever it is, the MIAC, D3, right? So I'm going to talk about more 9D1 things on my podcast because, hey, Guess whose podcast it is? It's mine. And if you don't want to listen to it, you can click something else. But it's your coach. I want to talk about some 9D1. And the first 9D1 I'm going to talk about, I've been talking about this kid for three, four seasons now. For at least two seasons because he did two seasons at Schoolcraft. So I've been talking about him for two seasons. Walter Kelser is that deal. Walter Kelser might be top five best Division II guards in the country. Not in the state. Not in the GLIAC, not in the Midwest, in the country. And he showed y'all that last night he drops 40. He dropped 40 points on y'all last night. Now, dropping 40 points seems like a lot. And I don't care, like my brother said, I don't care who you are. Dropping 40 points is a big deal. And it was a big deal. And I don't care who they played. They won the game. He scored 40. College guys ain't scoring 40 often. It, it because they get to scout you, they get all your film, they got people that then ran your, your best plays, your best sets for I don't know how long. And for you to score 40 against that team says that that team either you're really that good and it ain't nothing they can do about it, or like they dropped the ball. And if you drop the ball, God get 30. God get 40, that means he's really that deal. So, so shout out to Walter Kelser. Uh, I think he went to Walt Lake Northern, one of the Walt Lake schools, Western Northern, one of them. Uh, for high school, then went to Schoolcraft, did two years there. This is his second year, or third year, because he had a second year last year, which was free for everybody. So he gets another stab at it this year. And boy, oh boy, he might turn. He going he go fall into some money. Uh, he might not play in NBA, but he could get a G. Hey, they got a G League team in Grand Rapids. <coughs> it's not a Detroit G League team, but they got a G League team in Grand Rapids. They got a G League team in Detroit. They just picked up Justin Turner. So they pay attention to some names and stuff that we be dropping. Uh, some guys is doing some things around Michigan. That's from here. So he from here, and he putting up big numbers. And I, I know Big Uncle, uh, Big Uncle is telling some folks, you need to check out my nephew. All right? <laughs> he need to check out my nephew. He, he doing, the, uh, you know, Greg Kelser, that's his nephew. Yeah, uh-huh. I know he's like, look, that's my nephew. He at Fair State, but he driving 40 on folk. So I want to talk about him. I'm going to talk about something else that ain't nobody talking about. I want to talk about hope. Hope women's basketball. You're like, Coach Can. Really? You're really about to get on this podcast and talk about Hope women's basketball? Yes. Yes, I am. Because they own a UConn type of run. They are number one in the country. They are in the MIAA, first of all. That means they're Division Three. First of all, they're number one in the country. Second of all, they're undefeated this year. They were undefeated last year. They were undefeated the year before that. They have not lost a game in two and a half years. They haven't lost a game since 2019. In the last 10 years, they only lost 30. Last 10. So from 2011 to 2021, they've lost 30 games. That's potentially three a year. 
So they going 24, they going 25 and 3, 24 and 4, uh, 26 and 0. Like these girls can hoop. And they had the same coach. So I'm thinking to myself, either some other colleges are dropping the ball where they don't want to hire dude, but he didn't want a lot of games. Or he didn't want so much. It's like, man, this is easy. I can do this for the rest of my career. I can win the conference every year. I can get the I can recruit the best girls out the area, out of Michigan. <laughs> hint, hint. I get the best girls out of Michigan and ain't going Division One. Yeah, ain't going D2 because all the D2s that's really good, really on the Division One roster. That's for another conversation another day, but I don't know if y'all want to hear that one. We, I don't know if y'all y'all ready for my my uh, my D2, D1 women's basketball take. Y'all not ready for that one. But Hope Women's Basketball, they on a UConn type of run, so I got to get my hats off to them. You go on a run like that, you go two years, and you don't lose a game. That's pretty. That's pretty phenomenal. And the last um, nine D one I want to talk about. We'll talk about Christian Rodriguez at Cornerstone. At one point, he was leading the country in scoring. He scored 151 points in three games, or something sick like that. Uh, right now, he's averaging 24 points and six points and six assists per game. He's a little guard that can play. He's one of those guards when you saw him in high school. He's like he's got a high IQ, plays well. This is this is the player that coaches call small. Or can't play on my level because he just, ah, he's not that athletic. Ah, he can't dunk or, ah, he shoots it okay. And then he scores 1,000 points in his career. He has 600 assists in his career. And he's top 10 in the country in scoring and assists. And you like, you look back on it like, man, I probably should have recruited that guy. Could have did pretty decent at my level. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he could. 25, 24 and 6 can go a lot of places. It can. Uh, so for them right now, Cornerstone is undefeated. They're two or three and no, actually, uh, they, I think it's two and oh, in conference five and oh, overall, um, another good team for Cornerstone. Traditionally, they have really good NAIA teams here in the state of Michigan. And this year would be no different with Christian Rodriguez, but it's your coach that knows hoops the most. And that's my college basketball I got for you, man. About 25 minutes talked about some college hoops, but today is the first day of practice for boys basketball. And the girls' basketball been going on for a week. So I got to talk about my high school hoops, man. I mean, I'm excited. I'm going into my 18th year. So I got a couple little uh, nice little questions I'm going to ask myself that you probably didn't know. So I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But the first thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about my camp. So last weekend, not this past weekend, I'm talking about the first week in November. Uh, the, the 5th and the 6th. November 6th, uh, it's like 10 days ago or whatever. I had 75 campers come to Oakland Fieldhouse, uh, boys and girls that came from all over the state, uh, close to Toledo, the Thumb area, west side of Michigan, northern Michigan, Saginaw, Bay City, Lansing. Uh, shout out to Coach Watts from Lansing Waverly for helping me out. Man, I appreciate you, Coach, uh, for bringing some of the boys down. He got, a, he got an eighth grader that's nasty. Oh, man, if he grow three inches, some of y'all in trouble. I'm telling you right now, he class 2026, he grow three, four inches, y'all in trouble. But anyway, I'm going to talk about, uh, I don't know if he, but you, but you hear me, you hear me. Uh, but the the camp went really well. Uh, my girls camp had about, you know, 20, 23 campers, uh, was really good, uh, very competitive. I had one girl in the three-point contest make 15 threes with one ball, like, that was pretty. I ain't seen nothing like that. But 15 threes in a minute with one ball? I, I, I challenge anybody to beat that. I don't know if I could beat that with one ball. I mean, that was nuts. The most I made was like 13 or 14. 15? That's shooting. That means you ain't missing. I think she missed one time, and she was shooting it. And uh, So shout out to her. I'm going to tell you her name here in a second. 
Uh, so while I'm talking about girls, I'm going to give you my top girl campers that I had at camp. Maya Anderson out of Cast Tech. She's a junior, big guard. She got handles. She can get to the rim. Uh, she she knows how to set players up. So be looking for her in the PSL and Cast Tech. I'm pretty sure Cast is going to be pretty good this year. If they got anybody remotely close to her and her uh, that, that can play like her, they're going to be good. Next girl uh, that played really well, Cela Leffler out of North Farmington. She can handle the rock. She, she can pass it. She can shoot it. She makes the right plays. Really good player. Angelina Tringali out of Oakland Christian. She's a junior. She shot it so well. I had a coach there, Coach Mike Hawks, uh, coaches at, where does Mike coach? At Marion. And he was looking at her like, man, we could use them threes. So she plays at Oakland Christian. Oakland Christian is a class D school. And she averaged around, you know, 18, 19 points per game. And, man, she could really shoot the ball, man. She was our best shooter in camp by far. Uh, shot the leather off of it. And so she won our three-point contest. So had to mention her. Jenna Winnowicki out of Gross Point North. She's a really good player. Uh, she's got nice height, nice wingspan. Uh, she can play multiple positions. She shoots the ball really well. Really good player. And also Avery Collins out of Blissfield. I'll tell you, Blissfield is going to be good. They got a lot of good players. And Avery is one of them. She just knows how to play. She can shoot it, handle the ball, get to the rim, defend. Uh, she competes. Really good player. Now, on the boys' side, has some really good boys come down. So I'm going to have more in-depth. I'm going to have more articles on mintonrecruit.com. Uh, finally got the videos and pictures up. So now I can start blasting y'all with articles of the event. I've been waiting to get the pictures and stuff so I can shoot that out. Uh, sometimes it, it takes time to get really good quality content. So I had to wait for it. But it's all good. It's your coach that knows who's the most. Brady Titus, man. Brady Titus is legit. If you thought that the hoopla that was surrounding Brady Titus, if you heard any of the hoopla, that maybe he was too small, he played at a small school, he don't have the Division I offer, he played for UTS, I'm going to tell you right there, don't believe it. Don't believe it because this kid is the truth, man. I'm telling you, if I'm a college coach, I'm offering him on the spot, I don't care what level. I can use a guard like Brady Titus. His, his handle is tight. He competes. He can shoot it. He could get to the rack. Why wouldn't you want a player like that? The only reason why you won't want a player like that is either you already got a player like that or you don't need a little guard that can get it done. And he's a little guard. I'll tell you the truth, he's a little guard. That's cool. You just got to be you just, just got to be comfortable playing with a little guard. It's okay. You can. Coaches, it's okay. You can have a small player on your team, and they could be really good. It's okay to offer that kid. It's okay because more times than not, that little guard – it's going to be your best player. I'm just going to tell you right now. Not the seven-foot kid that can barely dunk. Not the six-foot-nine that can put it between his legs but can't rebound. I'm talking about the guard that can make shots, that can get guys open, that can check, but you only find now. It's okay to recruit this player. It's okay. It's okay, right? Right? Because you want to be like, man, I just want the prototypical. I want some big guards. Now, you're not always going to have big guards, man. You're not always going to have big guards. And it's a guards game anyway. So it really don't matter about height. But y'all coaches are stuck on these players' heights. And Brady Titus, I'll tell you right now, go recruit Brady Titus. I don't care if you're mid-major, low-major, D2, recruit this kid. He's the real deal. Chandler Allen out of Detroit Renaissance. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This kid is the real deal. He's been in a lab. 
This kid been in the lab like a scientist. I'm telling you he has. Because he wasn't playing like this last year. He dominated our 5-on-5 portion. I'm talking about dominated. Got the ball off the glass, pushed it himself, got to the rack, scored, kicked it out for three, made some threes. Now he need to, you know, widen his base a little bit. That's me and my shooting coach form. We're going to change that. But Chandler Allen is a big-time recruit. He's a big time. He's at least mid-major because he's only a sophomore. So if you don't get on him now, coaches, if you listen to this podcast and you have not checked out Detroit Renaissance, I know you're going to go look at Lance Stone. I know you're going to look at Jaden Savory. I know you're going to look at Jawan Maxia. I'm telling you the guy you need to recruit is Chandler Allen. That's the guy you need to recruit. Don't tell me I ain't told you. I told you, before the season even start, before they even get rolling, Chandler Allen is the guy you need to be recruiting at Detroit Renaissance. This kid is big. He bought 6'5". He can rebound. He can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. I'm telling you, I was very impressed by Chandler Allen. I was very impressed with him. One of our top players, if not the best player at camp. So Carson Viss, man. So I came out with a 2025 list of some freshmen to be looking out for. This kid was on my list. And I respect this kid for saying, you know what? I'm on the men recruit top 25, 2025 list. I'm going to come to the camp and I'm going to show out. I'm not just going to be one of the best players in the 2025 class. I'm going to be one of the best campers at camp. And he was that. He's long. He lanky. He was getting dunks. Uh, made it to the final round for the one-on-one championship. The king of the court. I mean, Carson Viss is nasty, man. He's just a freshman. 6'3", 6'4". He can shoot it. Get to the rim. Grand Rapids Storm got another stud coming. He's a stud. Carson Viss is the name. He goes to Grand Rapids Catholic Central. And they, they won the state championship last year. He might. No, I'm sorry. He goes to South Christian. My bad. Grand Rapids South Christian. Uh, so be looking for them and him to be making for him to make a big impact on his team this season. Tyler Hamilton out of River Roots. So you probably like, who is that? Who is Tyler Hamilton? I'm going to tell you like this. Anybody who was at the camp knows exactly who the guy with the yellow shoes and the dress was. It was Tyler Hamilton. He was the first kid there. I grant, kid you not. He's a senior, 2022. He was the first kid there. He was the last kid to leave. I love kids like that, especially the ones that can play. So he's in my, my wife works at River Rules. So he's, he's a student in her class. So he keeps up with all the podcast stuff. He keeps up with all the mid recruit stuff. And he said, well, I'm going to go to that camp. And not only does he come to the camp, he shows out. I'm talking about he was a dog, a flat out dog, both on the ball, off the ball, making threes, getting to the rim. Listen. You need a tough guard in the 2022 class. You better be recruiting Tyler Hamilton. And I'm just going to say it like that. If you're not recruiting Tyler Hamilton, if you need a guard in the 2022 class and you're not recruiting him, that's your fault. That's your fault because you should. And I guarantee you, if this kid gets any kind of offers after you hear this podcast, trust me where they saw, they saw this kid or heard how he played. This ain't just a kid named to fall out the sky and start getting offers. Trust me, this is going to be one of them type kids because Tyler Hamilton can play. And when you see River Roots this year, you could be like, who's the kid with the drains and the yellow shoe? Oh, that's the kid from Coach Cam Camp? That's the kid from the Minton Recruit Camp? Oh, man, it's, it's, the dog can go. Like, hey, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Recruit Tyler Hamilton. And the last one is Murder Mason Parker. Oh, my goodness. So his brother played at Oakland who just knocked off Oklahoma State. But trust me, Murder Mason went crazy. He went crazy. He was before, he was for sure one of the top 2025 20, guys there, along with Carson Viss, another kid that was on my list. And this is why I make those lists. Sometimes I be wanting them kids to show up. 
Sometimes I'll be one of them kids that didn't make the list, come up and show up and prove me wrong. I'd have had some coaches get on me for not putting their kid on the list, but trust what? You didn't bring your kid to the camp. So now when I come out with my next list, I can't talk about yours. They ain't come show me. Mason Parker came and showed me. The boy put in work. He was hitting step back threes. He was getting guys open, had the ball on the string. He won the king of the court. He won it. He was the winner. And when I tell you he made four or five step back threes from like, like Harden-like, yeah, yeah, Mason did that thing. And if he keeps that that name, that murder, that murder Mason, yeah, that's that he got that from me. But you know, that's just my hip-hop background. But you already know what it is. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most, man. I wanted to talk about my camp right quick. Because hey, don't nobody know my camp like I know my camp. You know what I'm saying? I'm not one of these people that be off to the side talking to people while the action going on. I'm supposed to be taping two courts. I'm sitting down chilling. No, 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 no. I pay attention to everybody and everything. So, shouts out to all the people that helped me out with the camp. Uh, at gr great reviews about it. Uh, it was really, really good deal. Uh, so, the Holiday Classic is next. Hopefully, that could lead up to build on what we already had but you know it's your coach and those who's the most and as we start practice today i'm gonna be heading to practice here in the next 15 20 minutes or so uh, i wanted to talk about some of my top three coaching moments and i've been coaching for a long time it don't seem like i have but i'm going into my 18th season as a boys basketball coach i, I know i made some of y'all feel old i know i did coach cam cam nichols it's going into his 18th season as a basketball coach. And as I look back on my 18 years, of 18 seasons coaching basketball, um, I've seen a lot of good things, a lot of great things, man. I've seen guys graduate high school that, you know, teachers told them they wasn't going to graduate. I've seen guys graduate college and start families and make more money than I ever thought I could make. I've seen guys, you know, play high school, play college, play overseas, play in the G League. I've seen it all, man. I've seen guys go on to coach at a high level, man. I've seen a lot. Um, but I want to talk about some of my my top three coaching moments. And I've had a lot of good moments. Of course, you know, winning championships is always good. When you win a district championship, that's that's great, man. That's great. Uh, but that's that's not on my list. Um, the first, the first, one of my top three coaching moments, and the reason I want to talk about it is a lot of a lot of times, the one thing I noticed with men recruit, a lot of people knew to coach Cam. And it's going to be a lot of people new to this podcast. So I got to kind of remind y'all some of the things that I've done so you know that, oh, Coach Cam really know what he's talking about. He really know what he's doing. He's been here for a while. So my first coaching moment is when I was at Detroit CMA. It's on the west side, right off uh, Grand River and Greenfield, not too far. Uh, I got my first PSL coaching job there as a head coach. I was 24 at the time. I was young. I was 23, 24. Uh, actually, I might have been a little bit older, but whatever. One of the youngest head coaches in the state. And I was taking over for a guy, uh, Coach Mays. Coach Mays was a, he's a great guy. I was taking over for him. He had an issue with the athletic director. This is stuff I found on later on. I didn't know this at the time. I'm young, dumb, whatever. You want me to coach your team, I coach your team. But I didn't realize it was already a coach there. They had some players there, some players transferred. The AD is crazy and all this kind of stuff. Didn't know none of that stuff. I was young. 
And the kids fought me. The kids fought me. I was trying to get, not actually fist fight, but some of the things that I was trying to do, they didn't want to do it. Uh, I remember I caught them in a the locker room rolling dice one time, and I'm like, okay, y'all want to boy, y'all boy. This is where the dice story, the dice story really happened at CMA. Before I did it at Renaissance, started at CMA. They was just tripping. They wanted to shoot dice in the, the locker room. And I'm like, oh, y'all want to shoot dice? Come on, let's shoot dice. They thought I was playing. They thought we was about to play dice in the gym. No, we about to run. Um, but I think they gained my respect at that moment. And when I gained their respect, there were some players on the team that didn't really play. And them kids was mad, but I had a really good team. They had like seven or eight guys. They ended up playing college basketball at some level. So that team was really good. And the reason why it's one of my top coaching moments is because my first year as a head coach, and we make the PSL playoffs. That was a big deal back in the day. And I, it's, it's, I can say back in the day because it was over 10 years ago. Back in the day, and yeah, we've talked about this in the PSL, you had to be top two in your league to make the playoffs. So we had to beat Crockett on the road at Crockett. Crockett ain't had no gym at the time. So we played at a rec center. So we went all the way on the east side. We played Crockett in a rec center for uh, number two in our division. And we needed Southwestern to lose, and they did. And that's exactly what happened. We beat Crockett. We make the playoffs. And we end up playing Central and losing to Central. Uh, George Ward was coaching them at the time. Uh, they just had a 6'9 kid we had no answer for. He was blocking all our guard shots. Uh, but that was a coaching moment for me because it was like it put me on the map. It made people know that, oh, okay, this guy, he, he already know what he's doing. Now, the, the moment I got to Renaissance, people forgot everything I did at CMA. They, they thought I was a new coach when I got to Renaissance. They totally forgot the fact that I had been coaching for three years prior. Now, I was still hooping, so people probably still knew that. Oh, that's my man that be shooting them threes in the gym in the adult men leagues. I didn't know he was coaching at Renaissance, but you also didn't know he was coaching at CMA. You also didn't know he had six guys go play college, and you also didn't know he had a really good team in his first year. And if they didn't fight me, if I didn't have other people coaching them from the stands and daddies and brothers getting involved, we would have been a lot better. But anyway... Not going to go there. It's one. It's probably one of my top three moments. Uh, being able to make the playoffs in my first year in the PSL was pretty cool. Uh, number two, beating Cass Tech, my alma mater, at Cass Tech. So it's 2013. Um, is we, Me and Dave Dixon, at the time, we were fighting for our jobs. Every year, they had us fighting for our jobs like it was the NBA or college. And unfortunately, I was able to get my job back sooner than Dave. So I got my job back the first day of practice. So like today, they called me and said, you are still the coach at the school you've been coaching at. Okay, cool. I walked in day one. I didn't have no preseason. I don't know what they've been doing. We had tryouts and we got rolling. Like I, we didn't skip a beat, right? We ended up playing class early in the year uh, against Dre Johnson uh, I want to say it was his senior year, because this is Clark's senior year, I believe. Uh, it's Clark's soft, uh, junior year. It's a junior year, sorry. We played at Cass, and we beat him. And it's, we got about like 1,500 people in the stands. I got some of my friends at the game, my family at the game. The stands is packed. I'm talking about it's a heated game. I mean, it's, it's one of them PSO rivalry games where you look back at like, Dog, when I go back and look at the YouTube video, it's like 10,000 views. I'm not kidding you. Go Google Clark Bishop versus Dre Johnson. I bet you that video got 10,000 views on it. That game was crazy. Clark was going crazy. Dre going crazy. Guys making plays. The only thing missing was my brother wasn't on the sideline. That's the only thing that was missing from this game. I want to be able to beat Dave Dixon because I hadn't beaten him before. I want to be able to say I beat Cass at Cass with Dave. And they had, you know, Dave... They were still figuring stuff out. 
they'll still figure stuff out. But it's still a top moment for me because it's my alma mater. I was able to beat my alma mater at Cass on the road with my team. It's a rivalry. That was that was pretty, that was a big deal for me. That was a big deal. I just wish it was able to be against Dave Dixon and not against whoever the coach was at the time because I don't even remember. Number three, number three was uh, when I was at Detroit Renaissance. Our rival was Harry Ford. Now I know you got the Cass King uh, rivalry. I know you got other rivalries around the city. When I was coaching in the PSL, only the PSL West Side, when I was coaching at Renaissance, the rivalry was Henry Ford Renaissance. Because me and Flowers, right, we cool, we boys, but when, we, when it's time for our teams to play, oh, we go, we getting after it. I used to hoop at Ford all the time, be at the Ford run. I used to hoop, I, I used to hoop with Flo so much, we used to play over at, at Redford before he even got to Henry Ford. So I was already cool with Flowers then. But we started bumping heads, Rennie and Ford. Man, them games was classics. I'm talking about classic games. I'm talking about being at Ford, being down 27 points and coming back to win type of stuff. I'm talking about we didn't have some classic games. And probably the top one for me is beating Ford at Renaissance. My brother uh, G, Greg, G Russ. Uh, stood in his way and he stood in mine. He on the sideline, and I knew they was I knew they was in trouble when they started running new plays. Cause I knew they plays like the back of my head. We would work on them. Four one, four two, uh, Trojan one, Trojan two. The Trojan was out of bounds. Four was half court. I prepare. I like to prepare my teams. All right. So we're gonna scout you. I'm gonna have you on film, and we gonna work on your stuff throughout the year. If we playing four, we gonna work on four one, four two. So when you see it in the game, you know how to guard it. That's just how I'm just how I'm built. You know what I'm saying? So like this year, I'm at Oak Park. Trust me, we're gonna put in that horn set that you would D run. They not scoring on that play when we play them in the district semifinals this year, because it's gonna happen. And we're gonna beat them this year too. I said it on November 15th. We're gonna beat the Cubs this year. They're not beating us in double overtime by a four-point play. It's not happening. But anyway, back to Ford. So we're playing Ford, they running new plays, and I'm like, oh, y'all think some new plays is gonna work? Y'all better go back to the I said G for real. I turned around, look, I was like, this is what y'all doing? Oh, okay, we got y'all. And I mean we was cutting them to death. Uh we was executing at a high level. Guys is making plays. Uh, but the guy that made all the plays this this particular game was Danny Southern. I've talked about Danny Southern a lot on this podcast. Um very, 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 very good player for me. Um Played three years for me. Played Division II affairs. Um, but he's the only player Please. I've coached to have a triple-double. Now, I've had some players do some really good things. Like, phenomenal things. Like, Paul Williams had 44 on 23 shots. Like, that was... Even though he's playing Southwestern, my brother's like, 40 is 40. He had 44 on 23 shots. He was like 16 for 23 from the field. But... Uh, a triple-double? Like, legit triple-double. Like, he had a triple-double to the point when I did the highlights, I counted the blocks. So, you can see he had 10 blocks. You already knew he had the rebounds. And if he had 28. He had 28, 11, and 10 or something like that. That's the first time I ever coached a player to a triple-double. And he dominated. He dominated the game. And I'm sure Andy Brockman remember the game. I'm sure Bill Sow remember the game because they was there. He had a triple-double on Henry Ford. I know they was watching like, holy crap, we might not get this kid. He Division One for sure. He can play at UAD. He can play at Oakland. He can play at all the mid-major schools here in Michigan. And trust and believe, we going to get him. And we're going to go to a national tournament with him as well. But, you know, 
sco scoring a triple-double, or not just scoring, having a triple-double in high school, you don't see that very often for one of my guys to do it. I thought it was great. So those are three of my top three coaching moments. I might have a segment of Coach Camp coaching moments, and I might just give you a coaching moment every time I have a podcast. I like that segment. That's gonna, I'm going to turn this into a segment. Why not? The Coach Camp coaching moments. But it's your coach. That knows who's the most, man. I had to talk about high school. I had to talk about my camps. So I'm going to talk about the NBA briefly. I'm going to give you some quick hitters. Uh, not going to stay on the NBA long because uh, I know how y'all feel about me in the NBA. I get it. I get it. I know. I know. All right. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, told y'all about the Lakers. The Bulls are good, but they just got popped by the Warriors. The Warriors is just, they let y'all know. DeMar DeRozan, huh? we know about you. We know about what you did in San Antonio. I know this 28 you putting up a game. Hey, we know when you used to be 18 a game. So we found out you, was, you, you went back to that guy. All right. Melo is still balling, but the tape is out. So, I don't want to taper the Mellow Ball Rookie of the Year uh, conversation yet because Evan Mobley is putting up a hell of a conversation piece. Evan Mobley is the real deal, people. Oh, man. Uh, I don't think he would have fit on the Pistons, though. That's why I like Kate better because if you put Evan Mobley on the Pistons, what you doing with Isaiah Stewart? What you doing with Jeremy Grant? What you doing? Like, they got too much in the front court, really, uh, they really don't because they only got three wins. But trust me, they three and four with K. They three and four with K. But um, let me talk about that in a second. I just want to finish off with this. The tape is out on Melo. So teams are starting to figure him out. He's still putting up big numbers. But teams are starting to fill him out. Harden is starting to get in the shape, y'all. He's starting to see the triple doubles. 30 and 11 and a 10 the other night. Uh, 25 and 11. He's, he's starting to get in shape. He's not getting them foul calls, but he's starting to get in shape. And on top of that, KD is MVP. Right now, KD is the MVP. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, are, they, they, they've had a tough schedule so far. They're one of the top three teams in the East because KD is playing at an MVP level. My early season MVP is Kevin Durant. So um, I, I wanted to say this before I got off the NBA topic. Um we were talking about Mellow Ball. Man, I, f I forgot where I was going to go with it. Oh, this is... Ain't nobody got this take. I'm going to tell you right now. The Pistons making the playoffs. The Pistons. Detroit Pistons. If Kate Cunningham stays healthy, the Pistons will at least play in the play-in game. Now, I'm not saying that loud because I know people are going to say that is nuts. But Kate Cunningham has only played seven games. He's won three of them. So they're three and four. You wonder what their record is without Kate? You got it. They did not win a game. I understand the Pistons won some against some bad teams. And they haven't beat anybody good. And they're gonna play, they're gonna go on a West Coast run where they play the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Blazers. So huh, they might go 0-5 in that stretch. But I'm gonna tell you like this. K. Cunningham stays healthy. He might not win rookie of the year, but the Pistons will play in the playing game. I'm telling you, I got faith in my Detroit teams now. The Lions went, they played a tied game, so we're not going on 17. The Pistons is 3 and 4 with K. I'm telling you, playing in the playing game. You heard that on November 15th. And when they start creeping up the standards, I'm telling you, you ain't hear from nobody else but your coach that knows hoops the most. And the last thing I'm going to give you before I leave is the $5 flame parlay. It'll win you $1,000. If you hit it tonight, so you got to play it tonight. So hopefully I get this out in time so y'all can play it. Put down, a, you can play this any night. 
You, the way these guys is rolling, put this in for $5 on a main state. So put it on a Wednesday, a, a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. When all these guys are playing, put it in $5 for 1000 AD for 25 Luca for 25 uh, Bam and the buyer for a double-double. Jama Rant, eight assists. Julius Randle, double-double. Um, Booker for 25 Trey Young, eight assists. Jeremy Grant, 20 points. Jason Tatum, four assists. Book it, man. That's $5 for a 1000 man. I told you. It's going to cost you 5 but it can rent you a rack. It can rent you a rack. Real quickly, AD 25, Luka 25, Bam double, John Morant 8, Randall double, Booker 25, Trey 8 assists, Jeremy Grant 20, and Tatum 4 assists. So it's your coach that knows who's the most. I try to like to keep it around 50 minutes now because I can take many topics and segments for 15, 20 minutes, even a half hour. I'm about to have some guests on here for y'all. I want to bring on Dez from Moneyball here in the next couple of weeks. I want to, I ain't even talk Juco. Man, Juco basketball here is booming. I want to talk about that. I'm going to say that for next week because I got to put out my report and all that. But it's your coach that knows who's the most, man. And I'm going to holler at y'all, man. Peace. It's your coach.